Are you guys ready up there? Alright. Alright, quiet on the set. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Adventures in Movies. My name is Nathaniel Muir, and I'm the movie editor at AIPT. Joining me on these ongoing adventures is the most horribly erotic host this side of the Rio Grande. (laughs) Correct. My name is Blake, and I am horribly erotic in a horrible way. (laughs) And uh, Danny's still hiding under the covers, refusing to listen or look at any uh, advertisements for Stink Month. What a pussy. <laughs> uh, he doesn't want to soil his uh, his conscience, let's say. Yeah, uh, you know what? I, I apologize. I respect his decision to be a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Uh, it, is it still snowing there? It's crazy humid here. It's even, it's heavy. Is it? Is it like a blanket, as they say? Gross. So gross. Oh, uh, yeah. No, it's no, it's not. It was actually, um, it's been pretty dry, uh, overcast. <laughs> the weather's been about in the 60s, but no, it's been, it's actually been pretty nice. Um, yeah, I was, I've been wearing shorts. Well, you always wear shorts, so you don't, you're that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I am. I started early this year. <laughs> That means nothing. Just, just a uh, little, little pro tip for everyone listening to the show. <laughs> Blake wearing sure. shorts means nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing at all. I'm wearing shorts right now. There's a, I think it was a Tom Robbins. I, re- I read a book where he was, uh, I think it's Jitterbug Perfume. He's talking about, um, he thinks that hell must be humid because uh, he seriously doubts that someone's burning for eternity in hell and they go, eh, well, at least it's a dry heat. <laughs> <laughs> a friend of mine just sent me a picture from, uh, I guess it was sometime in the past few years, I was out in Houston for some party. It's, 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 it's at night, we're like playing cornhole or something, and like everybody in the picture looks completely normal, except me, who <laughs> looked like he just fucking ran a marathon. I'm just, I'm drenched in sweat. <laughs> it's, it's so embarrassing. What was it, the humidity? Yeah, it was just the humidity. It was just late at night. My friend's uh, wife, uh, Lisa, she he, she actually came up and gave me like this baby fan. It's like a baby air conditioner. She's like, oh, yeah. you need this thing. One of those uh, USB ones you plug into a laptop. <laughs> exactly. So uh, when, when Blake says he's wet, he ain't kidding. He no. Sopping. <laughs> doesn't matter how short his shorts are, poor guy. Oh, it does not. They get shorter every year. <laughs> They get shorter with age, much like your memory. That's just the way. <laughs> that's that's part of growing up. Uh, Say by the bell. Say by the bell. Um, it's coming back as is you know Fuller House and X Files had a little thing and Roseanne. So Say by the Bell is coming to Peacock. Um, the premise. I, I sent you the premise the other day. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of recap it for everyone. Zach is now governor of California, which makes <laughs> complete sense in this twisted say by the bell world, and uh, kind of adds to the whole internet. It's a dream theory. Um, Zach is a uh, governor of California. He decides to uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, low income schools. He's shutting them down. <laughs> Busting all these students to uh, better performing schools like a Bayside, of course, where right. he was the valedictorian besides barely passing. And um, this leads to um, realization of class divide 
And, well, it's uh, to promote diversity. It's also <laughs> to promote diversity amongst schools like Bayside. So um, last week you talked about your love of showgirls. So um, Jesse Spano, I imagine you're a fan of. So were you a fan of Saved by the Bell growing up? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course I was. <laughs> I loved it. I watched the hell out of it. How excited are you for this uh, s- seems like ultra serious version of Saved by the Bell? Not at all. It's only coming to this Peacock network too, right? Like, who cares, exactly. man? No, who God, who cares? Uh, well, I'll, I'll check out Full House. <laughs> it's because we were talking about uh, a few weeks back. I think we were talking about like, so what's the big thing that? What's the selling point they're gonna have? If this is their selling point, then they got problems right out the shoot. It, it, it's it's weird. Like, I love Say by the Bell growing up. I loved it. I would watch. I mean, it was on, like, so many channels in, like, two-hour blocks, and I'm sure I've seen the entire series multiple times over the course of my life. Part of the charm of the show, even as I got older, was because it was so stupid. Like, I'm sure you've seen Zach Morris's <laughs> trash. Yeah. Yeah, like, all it's kind of funny, but this one seemed... I can't imagine Saved by the Bell taking itself seriously, and this seems like it's actually has a message behind it. Yeah, I think that's the total wrong move. <laughs> I mean, so if they, let's say they actually do, they do it, but it's they still try to be like slapstick and funny. I, I could maybe see how it would work like in a TGIF uh, kind of show way, but mm, I don't know, man. I just I have a hard time seeing it work. It, it'll be interesting to see what they do with it, just because it's... It, it's Saved by the Bell in this era, trying <laughs> to be topical. So, I don't know. I think Screech is in it. So, oh, he better be, dude. If Dustin Diamond doesn't make an appearance here, speaking, yeah, of, that... speaking of Stank, <laughs> <laughs> well, Lisa Turtle's not going to be there. And she was there from the very beginning. From the... Yeah, that's disappointing. This is uh, uh, Jesse is for sure. Uh, Mario oh, Lopez. I don't what, was what was his name? Who's <laughs> Skeeter? <laughs> what was his name? What was the fucking the rival? The uh, who's the other guy? Who's the other popular guy with curly hair? What was his name? AC Slater. Slater, not Skeeter. There you go, Slater. <laughs> I don't know where the cast of the reboot is. I believe I did see his name, but then he's also like hosting stuff on uh, <laughs> Entertainment Tonight or something, right? He's, he's too busy for this, oh, I believe. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, or extra. <laughs> Extra, that's the only big guns, actually. Well, um, it looks like Tiffany Amber Theason is going to be there. And uh, you have to have, of course, Mark Paul Gossler. And Elizabeth Berkley will be there. So, I mean. Uh, All right. You know what? <laughs> I, 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 I don't see Dustin Diamond, actually. Wow. I don't know. This, this, this might be worth watching just to see who's on it. Okay. IMDb. Let's see what you tell me. Um, this will be the last time I look for this. Um, <laughs> you know what? I don't see him on here uh there's too much of stank involved with dustin diamond you know i don't blame them they're probably trying to like well if they are trying to take themselves in the least bit serious it's probably not the best idea (laughs) screech yeah Uh, this is this is true Uh, mario lopez is going to be on there and i'd like to hope in screech's case that they 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 asked him to come on and he, he just declined him because he thought he was a, <laughs> who's above it i'm too he's busy like, in vegas he's like, i moved i moved on from that part of my life thanks but no thanks <laughs> <laughs> and then he says no spank you exactly <laughs> the email <laughs> no stank you <laughs> big news today but also childhood related um so rise of skywalker just came out uh yeah whoop do you do about that though 
DVD is coming out on the 17th. Uh, you know, again, you good good job. Um, but March the 31st, huge box set is coming out, the Skywalker Saga. Um, to the best of my knowledge, it's the original trilogy, the prequel trilogy, and this most recently concluded trilogy. So my question to you is, you're a big Star Wars fan, um, are you going to pay the uh, $250 that I saw Best Buy has it listed at? No, thank you. No, I don't get, honestly, I, I don't get it. I, I know there's like an art book involved with it or whatnot. Um, right. And these are all 4K cuts or whatnot. But the uh, um, I'm currently paying like, what, seven, eight bucks a month to, you know, to like have access to that shit whenever I want it anyway, plus bunches of other stuff via their service. So, I don't know. Why would I do that if I already have access to all that stuff? You know, I feel, I wonder if there's a bunch of people feeling that way. That's the, you know what? That's a good point. Um, so, well, definitely the hardcores will get it and definitely the hardcores who complain about it will get it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they hate it, but they'll buy it. But um, do you think if this last trilogy like it got off to I, I think it got off to a very good start. Do you think if it was the quality of even even if you didn't like the trilogy, if the trilogy was the quality of Rogue One, even though you're paying for the service, like you mentioned, the Disney Plus service, would you be willing to buy the box set just to have the box set? I'm not really a box set kind of guy. I, you know, when it comes okay. to video games or any of that kind of stuff. Now, like, I do like some collectible items and I do like some of that stuff. And so maybe if you, like, really made a really kind of cool, unique, um, like, sculpture, I don't know, something actually kind of cool. To include with it, other than just like a book, I've already got a million books with Star Wars art in them and stuff like that. So it's like, right. uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm probably not the the demographic for that. Um, but you know, I, I know you're right. There is a ton of people out there who who do. I don't know. How about you, would would you? I know you do. You do collect some box art, some box stuff. Yeah, this one I wouldn't though. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I actually, <laughs> I, I I um I went through my phase when. Uh, well, remember it was like decades before they released it on VHS. Yeah. So um, when they first released it on VHS, I got them, and then uh, they released them again with the. Uh, I guess the special editions after they were in the theaters, and then I got that, and then got the box set of the DVDs, and then the, the box set of the Blu-rays of the original trilogy. Um, and then after that, I kind of like I'm, I just anything that they sold for the original original trilogy, I would get. Oh wow! And okay. then and then I just kind of eh, I don't know. Like I'm not I've I've never been one to care about because the original trilogy they're gonna have, and this is the special edition, and I'm not one of those hardcores that are like like. Oh, I want to see how it was, you know, first released in 1977 or whatever. So I don't really care about that stuff. But uh, uh, it's, what, $250 in 4K. I don't have a 4K TV. You said a month later it'll be 150 bucks. 130 I think. 130 yeah. which is a whole lot better. But, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's really only three of them that I really, really like. And I have, like, you know, ten versions of those already. So. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a VHS player? Not anymore. I have and I have a a big. I have three big hefty bags full of VHS tapes. <laughs> <laughs> I kept as a kid, Sweet. and I've kind of like lugged them around. The funny thing is, most of those are um, a yeah. lot of them are like wrestling things that I tape trained uh, and recorded. Sure. I know Bachelor Party is in there. Porky's is in there. Nice. Uh, like the first, I don't know, four police academies are in there. <laughs> Awesome. Random episodes of uh, Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> I love how they're in bags. <laughs> That's the best. Yeah, they're just in. Because remember, they would give you like the slip cases, but that shit would yeah. fall apart within you know three weeks. <laughs> yeah, why the fuck did that shit biodegrade so fast? Like, yeah, it's, it's just like, like it, 
It was like a like a joke on The Simpsons. There's, you would just touch something and it crumbles to dust. Exactly. Your... <laughs> but I have them. Uh, at my mom, uh, my mom is one of those. That, and, and admittedly, I have a lot of trouble throwing away old stuff for whatever reason. Sure. Uh, and sometimes it's not even a sentimental value. I'm just like, eh, you never know. I'm, I'm one of those people. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm the same way. I held, I still have a bunch of VHS. I, I actually have a VHS player I bought at an auction. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a fan of the of the VHS. There's something awesome about it. It's like it's got this. It's like listen to a, a like a vinyl. It's got that like grain to it. I would say the same thing about VHS. Yeah, except I think vinyl is objectively objectively a better quality. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> um, no, you're right. VHS has like uh, there's everything to the graininess, the the tracking, the yeah. you know a really good example of it, it that you can really tell is if you watch episodes of Cheers on Netflix, you can see the parts. Well, like ninety nine percent of it has been remastered and redone, but there's parts and they'll show them in uh, some episodes. There's a lot of parts of it where they haven't been able to fix for whatever reason, and it has that grainy kind of oh, dark nice. quality to it. Yeah. It's really cool when you watch it because you're like, that's how I remember it when I was growing up. Yeah. It's like, wow, we couldn't actually tell what anyone's face actually looked like. Back then. Yeah. No no wonder I thought Carla was hot. <laughs> <laughs> now I see she looks like a gargoyle. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Oscar the Grouch. I always thought she looked like Oscar the Grouch. Oh, man. that's You know, there's actually a guy who was fired from the show for making fun of how she looks. So it's a good thing we're not actors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not acting here. So, so uh, Stink Month is continuing this month. Um, at Sundance, uh, a movie premiered called um, Possessor, uh, directed by Brandon Cronenberg, the son of David Cronenberg. Uh, very violent, very sexy movie. Very good movie. One of the better ones that showed uh, that, that week. Uh, we had a chance to interview Brandon Cronenberg, and here's what he had to say. We're here at the Sundance Film Festival with Brandon Cronenberg, director of Possessor. Uh, Brandon, how would you describe Possessor? Uh, Possessor is a science fiction horror film uh, about a character who can inhabit the bodies of other characters using a brain implant. And uh, her job is to work for this corporation where she drives these people to commit assassinations for uh, nefarious business reasons. (laughs) And uh, what was your inspiration behind the movie? I was interested in making a film about someone who may or may not be an imposter in their own life. Uh, I'm interested in the ways that we construct and maintain our identities. I think that acting and creation of character and narrative are are fundamental to how we operate as human beings. And so I wanted to make a a science fiction movie about that. Actually, although the the film is very much a a thriller and a a kind of a horror thriller, uh, the root of it is in the quieter domestic scenes, uh, which I was interested in because it's really about the ways that we play characters in our own lives. Right. Um, and actually that leads to a question that I had. Uh, it is extreme in its nature, but it still tells a very intimate story. And how were you able to focus on that story? In writing, you just sort of draw from everything around you. You draw from uh, the news, you draw from your own life. I mean, the, there are people who think that they are characters in the film because I've, I've taken snippets of dialogue from my, my own relationships with them and, and my friendships and, and my uh, domestic life. So I think you, I think you just always borrow from a variety of sources and uh, flesh out what, what would otherwise be a, a kind of outline of the, the plot. Um, horror movies tend to be gray and bleak. Um, Possessor kind of looks like a, like a giallo, like an Italian horror film. Um, why did you use so many colors in it? 
I was just in a colorful mood. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. Maybe I just had been watching uh, too many giallos. But, I, you know, Antiviral, my, my first film, was deliberately very stark and, and white, and, and that was the aesthetic. So maybe I just burned out on that. Uh, I, I felt like playing with color. Also, it's more of a hallucinatory film, and, and I really feel like uh, color, if you are able to shape a scene with it, can really impact uh, emotion. Um, it doesn't necessarily work if you're doing something very naturalistic because you can't have suddenly a completely red scene with yellow flares. But if, <laughs> if you're working in a looser space where you can do that kind of stuff formally, I think it, it's a great tool. And, and it looks very effective. You know, very effective. Thank you very much. Um, some might find the movie a, a little bit gory at times. Um, do you ever feel about uh, turning the audience off? Uh, I think you can't worry too much about turning the audience off because you'll always turn some people off, especially if you're working in a genre space. Uh, people, people will get it uh, if they're into it. They, they, not everybody will get it. It, it kind of comes with the territory. I was talking to someone recently about humor in horror, and I find my films to be very funny. <laughs> you know, not, I, I don't mean to sound like a narcissist. I'm just try, I try to inject humor in, into the films. And... If I go to a screening and nobody laughs, I think I'm going to get slaughtered at the end because for me, I think there's an element of absurd humor even in uh, these kind of dark stories. Right. Um, I find that kind of a, a geeky crowd and a genre crowd tend to get that and appreciate the humor. People who are, are less used to that, I feel like I have a harder time uh, understanding how, say, violent gory images could be paired with humor and, and that can be all right. So, right. you know, you, you can never please anyone. And, and I think you kind of have to just go with your gut and do something that is uh, meaningful to you. That makes sense. Um, talking about humor paired with horror, um, sex and violence have been paired since the earliest horror stories. Um, why do you think they work so well together? Sex and violence? Yeah. Uh, yeah that's an interesting question. I think possibly because they're both very animalistic impulses. I mean, I mean, sex and violence uh, are things that you see all throughout the animal kingdom. You know, they're basic aspects of, of who we are as apes, really. <laughs> right. So maybe there's just something extremely visceral about both of them and extremely bodily about both of them. Um, technology, it's played a central role in uh, each of your features. Um, today, people are more comfortable using te technology than ever before, but there's still that strong fear of it. Why do you think that that is? I actually, it's a difficult thing because I really like technology. I'm a, I, I, love, I love adopting technology early. I think technology is beautiful and exciting and, and fantastic. And um, I don't fear technology in general. On the other hand, I do think that there are aspects of our current uh, technological landscape that we should be more afraid of. Uh, for instance, surveillance. I, I don't think people really grasp how... Uh, little privacy they have, and I, I'm not saying that as a as a conspiracy theorist. I, you know, I was just reading a New York Times piece recently about how easy it is for people to be tracked and how companies are, are sold their location uh, data. Um, and of course, in a world where so much of our psychology is shaped to social media, and that's so much a part of our uh, our life, the fact that we can be manipulated, as with you know, Russia manipulating the elections and right. uh, that kind of thing. We're, we're now sort of hackable in a way. We're leaving ourselves open to manipulation, uh, which has always been the case. I mean, propaganda has always been a thing, but right. we're, we're, it's more insidious and, uh, I think, on a broader scale than it ever was. So mm -hmm. 
yeah, we should, <laughs> you know, <laughs> technology is fantastic and we should embrace it. But I, I think also it's important for people to be uh, informed and afraid in the right way. Right. In Possessor, they use a lot of practical effects. Um, do you prefer practical, practical effects to CGI? I think CGI has its place. You know, I'm not anti-CGI. I think if you're making a complete dinosaur, <laughs> you know, these days, you, you kind of have to do it. There, there are times uh, when it's important to lean into VFX. But I think as much as possible, I think uh, doing things practically is, is beneficial for a couple of reasons. I mean, uh, first of all, practical effects have a certain kind of texture and weight to them on screen. Even if you're touching things up with VFX, if starting with something that's fairly practical, right. um, and doing as much as you can on set, I feel, often gives a weight to things. I never really like CGI blood, for instance, in film. You can right. always kind of feel it, even if you you aren't someone who can pick it. Mm. Um, and I think some of the response to the, the violence in Possessor uh, has been because it was so practical. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's, people have a more visceral response. But the other thing is that there's a process to practical effects that I find to be very useful. Uh, so, for instance, my cinematographer, Kareem Hussein, and I spent years working on the film. It, it took quite a few years to, right. uh, to come together. And in that time, we were developing a lot of camera tricks uh, that were used uh, in the hallucination scenes in the film. But so much of that came from happy accidents. We, we would be testing one thing and then just stumble on something else, and then we would right. run with it. And, and when you're working with practical effects, that's something that happens all the time because you're hands-on. You're working with real materials. You're, you're testing. Things are responding in unexpected ways. Right. Uh, and so I think you stumble on things that you can, in a way that you can't with VFX because you're not just... With VFX, you're kind of describing what you want and handing it off to a company that exactly you're making. In a, you're in a box somewhere. Yeah, you're not. <laughs> you're, you're not surprising yourself in, in the same way. Right. Um, my final question: You're a creator, so creators are always thinking. Um, what what future project do you have going on? So I have two films. Uh, two films in active development right now. One of them is called Dragon, and it's an outer space horror film. Uh, and the other one is called Infinity Pool, and it's a, a kind of tourism satire or a beach resort. And thanks again to Brandon Cronenberg for taking the time to speak with us. Um, so this past week, I didn't really get to see too much, but I saw one really uh, talked about movie, um, The Farewell. Um, I That was released in 2019 by A24, and uh, we've talked about A24, and they're non-horror movies. This one's actually, it, it does go against that, that uh, I don't know, stereotype that we have of it, I guess. Uh, it was a good movie. Um, the Farewell, uh, it's about... Well, it says that it's based on an actual lie. It's a very funny premise. Um, the matriarch, the grandmother of a, of a Chinese family, um, it's, they find out that she has cancer and she doesn't have very long to live. So the family decides they're going to gather. They're going to meet in China. Um, one of the members of the family is um, has a girlfriend. So they basically say, okay, let's just have your wedding on this date. Uh, that way the whole family is together. And essentially they're going to say goodbye to the grandmother. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty silly premise. Uh, and it is a comedy. But um, it's the reason they actually do it, it's based on Chinese tradition where uh, basically they don't, they want the person who's dying to spend their last moments um, not fearing for their death. But they want them to be as happy as they possibly can be. Mm-hmm. And then when someone thinks that they're basically knocking on death's door is when they finally tell them that they're about to die, like at the last possible oh, moment. Oh, shit, okay. Yeah, so it's 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 pretty crazy. It's like a 
because that's a really because that's illegal actually in this country. <laughs> sure, yeah. that's highly illegal for a doctor to do to not tell a patient that they have cancer. But um, it's uh, it's a very heartwarming story, obviously. That, but it's one of those that, and I I think we throw this term around a lot, but it's not manipulative with the emotion. It's very natural. Mm-hmm. The storytelling it um, tells you. It doesn't explain to you like. Okay, it explains to you like this is a Chinese custom and in America things are different. But it's not trying to force you to say – make a decision as to what's right and what's wrong. It's really about the characters and the family. Aquafina is really, really funny in it. and uh, But she's really – she plays a really surprisingly wide range of emotions. Um, the final – and they show it in the trailer. So the final scene where she's hugging her grandmother, it's very well shot. The director is Lulu Wang. Um, she does these wide shots to show off scenery, which is, it's just a beautiful-looking movie. But in the intimate moments, it's – very close uh not like um not like the the guys who did uncut gems not like that disgustingly close but <laughs> it's uh it's close and you kind of feel like you're in the moment and it really it really stirs the emotions it's it's a very good movie aquafina won a golden globe for it it's very well deserved but it's definitely worth your time it's uh there's some moments in there that'll they'll they'll, they'll definitely tug at the heartstrings but then there's a lot of laugh out loud moments in it too um one of the uh in the trailer like right off the bat it starts with uh you know this story is based on an actual lie then someone's talking about how um the grandmother is about to about to pass away because she's been diagnosed with something and then uh the grandmother's daughter who's well chinese uh she's she's talking she's telling aquafina she's trying to explain to her why they're telling this lie and she tells her well it's because uh in china we have a saying a person who gets cancer dies so like mm-hmm. it's really yeah. It's a uh, it's 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 kind of black humor, but uh, some of it is just you know kind of slapsticky and stuff. But it's definitely worth your time. It's a very very good movie. Um, I saw Avenue Five, which um, it, they did a very interesting thing. So they focused on character and they kind of got away from the situation they're in where they're stranded in spaces for years and years and years with limited supplies. So um, they've done a really good job of kind of being funny but not downplaying like the dire situation that they're in. They kind of did it in this past episode, which I thought was weird, but they did. So it's a crew or it's a ship of hundreds. Cause it's like a, it's a cruise ship basically. So okay. it's, a sh- it's a ship of hundreds and they, it's, you can't, it's not the wire where they go through every single character and give them like a backstory, but uh, they managed to give everybody on the ship. Like they managed to develop um, personalities for everyone in, which was really well done writing wise. Wow. It was it, yeah, how many was episodes pretty, are there? Uh, right now it's just five episodes. In. Wow. That's pretty impressive. It was pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Uh, they also do this thing. So uh, basically the, the, the whole episode basically takes place over. It's, it, I would say it's real time. It takes place, I would say in 30 minutes probably, but uh, well, um, it might not be real time, but it's over the course of one event. Um, obviously they weren't planning for a malfunction. It was supposed to be like an eight week trip or something. Uh, it was supposed to be from earth around the moon and back basically. Oh, okay. And uh, they were going to have a halfway home party when they were the furthest away from Earth, and then they were turning around to head home. Um, they're blown off course, and now instead of taking eight weeks, it's going to take five years. But they forgot to they forgot to take off the advertising for the halfway home party, so it's been like, it's still going. It's still been advertised. So uh, the the cruise director, he's like, well, I mean, we're advertising it, so like, we, we might as well do it. So they do it, and uh, the show is kind of. Uh, it's um it's based 
so stuff is happening, but then it cuts to this guy who's trying to do a stand-up act at this halfway. That's not really, and his jokes kind of punctuate what just happened and kind of lead to what's about to happen next. So it's it's a it's a cool thing that they do. It's a really tricky thing that they do, but uh, I think they do it very well for the most part. Just downplaying the danger was a little bit weird to me, but uh, it sounds the, good. You know, it's uh, it's one of those like I've heard so many mixed reviews about that show I, I i hear some people really like it some people really don't I, I hear a lot of meh like it's 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 such interesting thing to hear about this show i, I, I need to check it out i guess it, it's really funny because i i saw the the first four episodes and uh like we we're talking about i like i binged them i thought it was really good and then um i wrote up some reviews and then i read reviews about it and you're right there was some very unflattering ones yeah there was some that were there was a couple that were that were really good and you're right there were some that were just like yeah just some good things and yeah it's okay but the sci-fi sucks and the writing is good or vice versa like the jokes are stupid and but the sci-fi is kind of cool but um i've been enjoying that uh i I will say that uh, this isn't a big spoiler or anything so the the comedian who's there the stand-up comedian who's trying to perform during this show he's not very good um and that's kind of the joke uh uh that's one of the jokes in it but um he tells his joke it's uh he says um what is it oh he's talking about how he was in a relationship and he's like yeah but um you know, things didn't work work out very well. And he's like, well, he's like, things things didn't work out well between her and I. Actually, she fell down a well. And, like, that's the joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, I like it. It's like, I like it. It made me laugh. Like, well, of course, like, there's no reaction. <laughs> and someone actually says, like, starts laughing. They're like, oh, it's a joke. <laughs> You know what's funny? Because I have no point of reference for what this where this takes place. It's just happening in the bar on the Enterprise D from Next Generation. In my head. So, it, it's, it's, it's pretty much that's what's going. It's happening, on, and um, in the back there's a window, and uh, just imagine a ring of literal shit is flying because, <laughs> oh, because awesome. of a, a malfunction that's happening. <laughs> it sounds like a real fruit. It, it's hilarious. It's really oh, good. The uh, other show that I'm watching on HBO is uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. That's also five episodes in. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what to say about Curb Your Enthusiasm that people probably already haven't said. This episode, um, he's kind of uh, – <laughs> it's so stupid. He's, he's <laughs> So the, the sexual harassment thing, he's uh, managed to get out of it for the time being because <laughs> uh, by nearly choking someone to death. But <laughs> he's <laughs> – He's safe. So this episode revolves around uh, someone sending him a sex doll, and uh, he doesn't know who sent it to him. Or I think Funkhauser, who was uh, Super Dave Osborne, yeah. uh, who passed away. He, yeah, he was. Uh, his name was um, Funkhauser on the show, uh, but uh, in the show they've written him out as being in China. And Vince Vaughn plays his brother, but uh, they they I forgot why they sent Larry David a sex doll, and he's. He has a feud with the mailman, so the mailman's spreading a rumor throughout the neighborhood that Larry David has a sex doll. <laughs> um, it's like kind of typical curb stuff that's really funny. It kind of it doesn't seem like it connects together, but over it, they have surprisingly good writing too because it's a bunch of random shit. And then over the course of a few episodes, you're like, oh wait a minute, this goes back to the sex doll like three episodes ago, <laughs> which is kind of like Seinfeld would do. Like it yeah, has those yeah. dove. The, the dovetailing storylines, which is really cool, but uh, um, really, really, really funny. Um, the uh, the black humor that was in the early episodes of the season wasn't there. This one, but I mean, that's not a knock against it at all. It was uh, 
It's still a very funny episode, but uh, that's all I watched. HBO and The Farewell. It's a pretty short week for me. Yeah, you know, I watched um, some pretty different stuff than you. Uh, <laughs> and um, I, I, so I, I think we've talked a little bit about the Terminator franchise. The original Terminator, one of my all-time favorite horror movies. That's right, I said horror movie. It's a fucking horror movie. He's a monster. It's an awesome, 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 like, um, cat and mouse thing. It's a great movie. Um, Linda Hamilton, you know, Sarah Connor, all that great stuff. Terminator 2, we've talked about a little bit, I think. You know, pretty epic action movie. Different take um, a little bit into the the whole thing. But totally iconic movie. I would say both of them iconic in different ways. Um, Which brings me to Terminator Dark Fate. Which, (laughs) do away with every other Terminator movie that has ever come out or been released. This is the true sequel to Terminator 2. All right. All right. You following me here? (laughs) I was going to ask about that. Like, it's... uh, So, everything is... Everything else is doesn't matter. Gone, right? Gone, gone. Uh, they've. I don't know why they chose to do that. Um, you know, they just came out with something where I think Amelia Clark played. So I don't know. There's been a lot of them. I've watched a lot of them. I've watched them all, um, and they're all varying degrees of of um, you know not so great, um, but usually it's pretty fun action movies. This one, uh, yeah, it, it does. It tries. It's just re, re, redoing the whole storyline. So. Um, spoiler alert, if you really want to be not spoiled by Terminator Dark Fate, tune away for a few seconds. Um, Sarah Connor at the end of Terminator 2 gets away to Mexico with John Connor, and uh, they are depicted chilling on the beach, uh, Jimmy Buffett style, uh, cheeseburger in paradise ended up, and fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator comes strolling up with a shotgun, wastes John Connor. <laughs> okay, so... Just kills John Connor. Sarah Connor says, no! Uh, Terminator leaves. He's out of there. He Mission accomplished. I guess they sent more than one. Okay? So you're like, okay, well, so what the fuck? (laughs) So I have to... (laughs) So, I like like the thumbs up better. (laughs) Me me too. (laughs) Me too. Just leave it at that. You know, he he goes on to everything's okay. Um, So... uh, the next thing you see is, you know, cool plasma ball, lightning ball, dropping people from the future into modern day. And it's in Mexico, uh, and a lady from the future named Grace, played by Mackenzie Davis, is sent back to protect Danny Ramos, played by Natalia Reyes. Uh, and so she's like the new Sarah Connor, this Danny Ramos is. And so there's another Terminator who's got like liquid and uh, steel skeleton. So he's like a com. He's like two Terminators in one. All right. He's actually pretty cool. Uh, that's played by uh, who's that played by? But it's uh, oh Gabriel, Gabriel Luna. <laughs> that's who plays him. So um, it's again your classic. Okay, unstoppable killing machine chasing down someone to kill them. Um, let's get away. Uh, Grace is like a cybernetically enhanced she's like half Terminator half human kind of thing um, and Arnold Schwarzenegger makes an appearance um, there's a new future now where these other Terminators anyway it doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any fucking sense it's just a Terminator movie at the end of the day there's um, basically two Terminators fighting this one epic Terminator thing um, ends in very much the same way you would expect this one to uh, Sarah Connor pre- prevails through it all 
and uh, everything works out in the end. But uh, I don't know. I wouldn't obviously I wouldn't pay for this uh, like I did, like rent it. Um, I would wait till this is on some streaming service that you're already paying for to check out. But um, yeah, I mean, if you're like a completist like the Terminator series, check it out. Kind of a mindless um, way to spend a couple hours, I guess. Best thing I can say about it. The next thing I watched is and fits more in with our stinky theme this month here is called Bliss. This is a Shutter exclusive. If you are a subscriber to the Shutter streaming services, I am. Um, this I saw covered by a couple other podcasts, I guess. And uh, have you heard of this thing? Uh, I have heard of it, but I haven't had a chance to see it. Okay, so I'll, it's 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 not. There's not much to say about the plot here. Young, um, uh, let's say, attractive artist is. Um, Caught up in, she can't produce uh, her newest painting to get paid. Her life is kind of spiraling out of control. She's kind of like a fuck you in your face kind of person. Um, and uh, has been off drugs. Uh, proceeds to go on kind of a bender one night. Very sexy, sexy bender. Um, with two people that end up being, um, let's say, vampires. And so her life kind of gets flipped, turned upside down. <laughs> I like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And... <laughs> I've heard this one before. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of a... Oh, man. It's kind of a hot mess is the best way I can describe it. It's like one part, it's like, wow, this is like almost like exactly like like we were talking about, like Cinemax, Skinemax, made for Showtime quality stuff, scenes, and, and lots of like strobing lights. There's a There's a warning. Uh, I haven't seen this in a while. It's like an actual warning before the movie starts. It's like, hey, lots of strobing lights, lots of flashing images. If you have epilepsy, don't watch it um, or be cautious. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't seen that in a long time. And um, it totally is. It starts that way. There's lots of it. Um, It gets less so as the movie goes on. But, um, yeah, it's kind of like kind of a character study on her, this one person and all the the shit. It's it's hyper-violent at times and, and... and gory, I say some of the gore effects are actually really good, um, but it was also it like I'm fifty fifty on it. Like I would, I'd like to recommend it, especially if you already have Shutter. Like yeah, definitely check it out. But um, it's also like <laughs> low quality in a way. I don't know is right. the best way to describe it, but um, kind of a kind of an interesting take. It's also like this this is a piece of art that's being worked on the entire time. I don't know. I, I like I said, I'm kind of fifty fifty on it. Um, Dora Madison, I guess, is like the main actress in it. And she's she's pretty good. Um, but yeah, kind of a crazy hot mess uh, in total. I would say. I guess my question would be then for you is um, so you're saying in general you're fifty fifty on it. Um, I think f- horror fans are a little more forgiving, uh, a little more understanding of shittier movies than typical mm-hmm. fans. Would you recommend it to a horror fan? Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess so. Especially if you're like you're tuning in for the tonight tonight's topic, like kind of like uh, this has a lot of sex. There's a lot of sex involved in this Sign movie. Yeah, right? So, I mean, sex, you know, vampire stuff, you know, yeah, yeah, if you're a horror fan. <laughs> well, you're right. That kind of leads into the main topic for this week. So, Stink Month continues with uh, erotic horror. Um, yeah. And side note, it's been a while since we've done a horror-themed episode, I think since uh, October, actually. Oh, uh, Too long. I know. Jump right in. So, um, <laughs> horror and erotica, they go together for since the very Peas beginning, whether uh, yeah, pea, uh, chocolate and peanut butter, um, whether it's Dracula 
you know, very suave, sophisticated, uh, normally portrayed as a handsome gentleman, or whether it's one of the uh, scream queens from the '80s, or whether it's uh, the vixens from the the uh, vampiros lesbos of the '70s. Um, horror and erotica have gone together for centuries, and they go together very well. So um, last week we touched on him and. Uh, Earlier, I mentioned him in the show, so I'd say two of the uh, greatest purveyors of horror and erotica are uh, two Davids, David Cronenberg and uh, David Lynch. Oh man, well I couldn't agree more about that. And wouldn't it be great to see it like a like a odd couple show with those two? I would love that. How, how twisted would that be? <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I, it's kind of like you can't. I can't pick my favorite out of those two. They both do really. You know, darkly erotic stuff. And in Cronenberg's case, it's usually disgusting. Um, whether it be like, you know, the fly or, I mean, any of the, any of us, you name it. I mean, it's, 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 it's usually gross and usually pretty sexy. Uh, Videodrome, you know, that's, uh, that's, I would say another one of his. And then Lynch, I mean, hell, um, I don't even know where to begin. You're, I think you're the bigger Lynch fan. Uh, what, what would you, what would you say is his sexiest? Piece. Oh gosh, it's kind of a take your pick thing. Uh, yeah. Okay, so you got Mulholland Drive, yeah. which is just one of the best movies of that decade, but um, very tender, um, but highly erotic. <laughs> <Very> uh, <much. laughs> but I mean, you can go, you know, a good fifteen years before that with Blue Velvet with yeah. uh, Kyle MacLachlan and Isabella Rosalina. I mean, just an incredibly sexy and sensual movie um, that's. Frightening. I mean, Dennis Hopper is just a oh, very yeah. scary character. <laughs> and I, the first time I saw Blue Velvet, I have no idea why I would watch Blue Velvet as a kid, but for whatever reason, <laughs> yeah, me too, multiple times. Well, I know why it was Isabella Rosalini, but, <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, Dennis Hopper scared the hell out of me. And, Heineken, uh, fuck that shit. Um, that was a. Uh, I actually saw Blue Velvet in the theaters for the first time. Like, uh, gosh, when did the Alamo open in El Paso? Oh, like, two, yeah. three years ago, two years. Two, three yeah, that, that was one of the. Yeah, that was one of the first things they showed in uh, the. Um, the drink special they had that night was a uh, Heineken. Fuck this shit! And it was a past Blue Ribbon and a <laughs> shot of tequila. Yeah, so, <laughs> and some nitrous. But, if only I, I think if you that was a, it was five dollars for the beer in the shot and eight dollars if you got the nitrous. The nitrous is right. Uh, yeah, I, I only I only had six bucks on me, so I wanted to leave a tip. <laughs> sure. uh, uh, yeah, I mean Lynch is a uh, he's a uh, I, I think I made the joke a few Lynch Cronenberg and Prince like anything they do is tied into sex in some oh, yeah. way, like. Uh, even Lynch's thing that came out on his birthday on Netflix with uh, the talking monkey in it. Um, what was it called? Oh, what would you do, Jack? Or what did you do, Jack? Or whatever. It, it's a short. It's like 10 minutes with a talking monkey. It's 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 really funny. Um, I'm sure there's some sort of sexual meaning. <laughs> <laughs> it's, have you seen it? I have not. I have not. Does David Lynch ask the monkey if he can smoke? I, I feel like any time I've ever seen David Lynch, he's like, can I smoke? Is it okay? It's... it's it's a hard-boiled like noir with David Lynch as a detective, grilling this monkey about a murder. <laughs> <laughs> it's this talking monkey, and uh, it's hilarious. But uh, it's actually very well shot. 
um yeah lynch is uh i think i guess you know mulholland drive when you're a certain age that's like i mean there's you know it's filled with like lesbian scenes and stuff so for gentlemen of a certain age and persuasion i'm sure it's a fantastic movie to watch but um, <laughs> it's, it's, even, uh, it's out. sure yeah it, it absolutely does but even wild at heart um there's wild at heart, yeah. yeah that one that one's actually a very strong love story behind it. Um, Laura Dern, she has um, a no no nude scenes policy that she does for her. She waived it for Wild at Heart. She was so impressed by the scripts and what Lynch and, and her and Lynch have worked together for years and oh, years and years. And yeah. I mean, and Nick Cage is so I mean irresistible. I mean, how could she not? Uh, and then you have and and Willem Dafoe's in there too. So I mean, sure. what are you gonna do? What's a woman <laughs> to do? Uh, Cronenberg, yeah. Uh, video drum you have the the vcr that um i mean it basically looks like a vagina oh, yeah. um a few weeks ago we talked about rabid where the uh the plastic surgery leads to a uh, very shoulder uh, vagina. <laughs> yeah a very suspicious looking wound yeah. um and actually um kind of getting away from horror but it is a thriller you mentioned crash Crash, absolutely absolutely I, I feel like a lot of his stuff is like tainted in sex like uh we we brought up um what was it? Uh, what was the graphic novel adaptation he did? A History of Violence. Um, Violence, yeah. Th- there's some very like tense, you know, sex scenes in that movie, and or at least one that I remember. Um, and yeah, I feel like it's always he's always kind of played with um, with sexual tropes and uh, what he's doing just to make you more uncomfortable. I think that's his whole bag, right? To make you uncomfortable, and uh, obviously, and you know, that's a, that's a way to do that to to an audience. Oh, absolutely. And I think what those two prove, I mean, and yeah, you can talk about what, you know, artists they are and what great filmmakers they are or whatever. But what they're also doing is they're showing that you can have sex and horror without it just being about um, there's a documentary called Blood, Boobs and Beasts. There's mm-hmm. a lot more to horror and eroticism than just, uh, you know, like buxom blondes um, getting a pitchfork shoved through their back. Uh, Not that being said, wrong with that. I was going to say uh, that being said, what was the first Friday the Thirteenth movie you saw? Because I'm imagining that was the <laughs> uh, what, what was the first uh, erotic horror movie that you can remember seeing? Erotic horror, yeah. So I mean, I, I don't count all the slashers with just like you know frolicking teenagers. I really don't count that. I would have right. to say, and I would say I didn't quite understand what the fuck was happening the first time I saw it for sure. But Hellraiser, one hundred percent, is the first. Oh like, my gosh, that's yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, erotic, quote unquote, horror movie. I remember because it, it's just all about like hellish desire and like just yeah, just, yeah. Just to pull him out of the fucking the lament configuration to fuck again, basically. So it's like you know, it's like it's a fucking sexy, dark, fucking sexy movie, man. That's you know, that's a really good one. Um, I and I. I Rewatched the first two Hellraisers a few years back because those are the ones that were on Netflix, and then it skipped yeah. to like six for some reason. Oh, but, uh, yeah, I like I just hate that Netflix does that. They'll have like Friday Thirteenth one, four, and nine. Like yeah. I don't know why they I don't know why they don't have them in order. But um, yeah, Hellraiser is an excellent one. Um, I I know this isn't the first one that I saw, and I barely remember the plot, but I very vividly remember the uh, VHS cover of it. Um. I think it's from the '90s. It's uh, the Pit and the Pendulum. Oh, okay. And, yeah. and uh, on the and it, it's totally unlike Poe's original story because I believe his is just a that's, man trapped in a. It isn't the story. He's like it's a man in like a uh, in a dark cell or something, and he knows there's a pit, 
but he's afraid to step forward because he's he's either going to fall down a pit or a pendulum a pendulum's going to slash him in half or something like that. I I think that's the, honestly I haven't read that fucking story in so long I couldn't tell you. I, I'm thinking that's what it is, but the the <laughs> movie adaptation, this one that I constantly looked at the cover of it at, at major video was this like really sexy woman with a bare back and then uh, a giant pendulum was off to like in the right corner. Um, the movie was just her tied to a slab and the pendulums <laughs> over her. I have no idea what the pit was to be really honest with you. <laughs> and I, I don't even know if I watched the movie with sound to honest. <laughs> like, if you look up, if you Google pit in the pendulum from 1990 or 91 or something like that, you'll find a, a very tame bit of box art. But if you're like, 13 it would impress the hell out of you i think <laughs> but, um, that's the first one that i remember but i also remember because i, I always have enjoyed oscar wilde uh, his plays i think he's a horrible poet but i've always enjoyed his plays but um i remember watching this weird 70s version of um the the picture of dorian gray oh okay which uh, makes sense because it was, uh, you know, that's about hedonism and all that great stuff. But the 70s one, it's, it's an Italian one. <laughs> and it's just basically, it's just, it's not him just, uh, it's not just him taking advantage of hedonism. It's him just basically having random sex with, sex with any person that he can find. <laughs> Excellent. Good, good for him. <laughs> that's one way to do it. Yeah, that's how you should do it, actually. Um, why, why would you say there's so many of these? They're, they're, I mean, they've been around forever. But the movies, um, I don't know. Bela Lugosi doesn't quite strike me as erotic. But once you get to, like, I, I think the 60s, uh, it's still pretty, you know, Night of the Living Dead and that crap. But um, once you get to the 70s is when you get, you know, lesbian vampires and the giallos, which really turned, they really notched up the sex. Like, why? why do you think there's so many of them? Uh, you know, oh, well, I mean, I, I think it's like, well, I mean, I've back to like the hammer stuff, the hammer stuff started putting like big chested, you know, buxom babes and all their old movies with Christopher Lee and stuff. And I don't know, it's like, it's like easy, right? Like, I, I think it was a thing that would sell, you know, I mean, obviously sex sells. And so I think that just became like kind of a, a good way to sell your property to studios because either they knew they, they could they could promote it and sell it some way in some some fashion, you know. The, we, we're talking about an era, especially in like the '60s and '70s. You're talking about an era with people people would go to the goddamn theaters to watch pornos, you know. So it's like that wasn't a time where it wasn't, you know. That was sex was a huge part of the consumer driven properties of those days. I think that's personally, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's people know more about it than me, but I just think it's like an easy easy way to to sell a product in a lot of ways. It's low-hanging fruit, and I, I think one of the ways that you can look at it is when people do um, – it's the uh, – now, you know, there's sexy nurses and sexy trees for Halloween and sexy – there's sexy right. everything. But the first ones that I remember were like – you know, there's sexy schoolgirls. That's like always been a, a, a cosplay costume mm-hmm. dream type of thing. But then there's sexy like – vampires or sexy witch sexy goth girls basically like that's always been a thing and it's not just like i mean we're two we're two males so we're speaking to that end of it but let's not forget that serial killers always have been very attractive men like the ones who aren't straight up creeps like henry portrait of a serial killer uh, which is a real story but the fictionalized ones are always these like suave debonair they all take after uh, dracula they're they're yeah. sexy, good-looking men who are able to lure in um, 
the uh, their victims, whether they're American male Psycho or female. Is like perfect example of that. That's a great example of it. And you're right, sex does sell. Sell. So we've talked about like serial killers, and then in supernatural, they've and slashers to an extent. So, uh, what's your like? Sex is used so many ways in horror, like. And eroticism is like, what's your favorite or what's the strangest way that you've seen it used? Oh, ooh, the strangest. Uh, <laughs> ooh, boy. Um, usually, like, the strangest ones to me are like the alien, you know, like, uh, like um, what was it, species? Like that kind of where oh, it's yeah, like. yeah, yeah. Or like, uh, what was the one recently with Adrian Brody uh, where there's like the chimera creature that he has sex with? Uh, Splice. Uh, splice yeah i was thinking like wasn't that species but splice yes splice like either anytime that it's like a weird anthropomorphic creature that wants to bang i'm like that's weird (laughs) especially when they actually try to make it like a sexy thing so yeah that's that i would say that's a possession uh that movie that you're not so fond of uh from 81 sam neill it's it's super lovecraftian tentacle sex you know it's 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 that. <laughs> so I would say that's like the weirdest portrait. I, obviously, yeah, like the vampires and stuff. Uh, also, I think the howling does a really great job of making you uncomfortable watching werewolves in like transformation have sex, which is another one that I find a little odd. But uh, yeah, what about you? Um, well, you know, that's a really good question because <laughs> you're, you're, you're saying you're naming this stuff off. And yeah, it's weird when you say it out loud, but when I <laughs> watch them... It's kind of, none of it That's really so seems weird. strange to me in the context of horror. It's uh, right. Uh, you mentioned like interspecies sex, and there's you know vampires with humans and werewolves with vampires. And why are horror fans or, or fans in general why are they willing so willing to accept all these varieties of eroticism in horror? Because <laughs> if you have it, if you have it in um a, a, in a drama, it's bestiality. <laughs> <laughs> It's you mean totally if the different. little women, if one of the gals gives birth to a giant maggot, like uh, that would gross people out? You think that would bother people? <laughs> Just a little. Like if Florence Pugh gives birth to a maggot, then little women <laughs> takes on a totally different tone. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Up. We're all gross, man. We're all. I mean, if you if you're like a real diehard horror fan, I mean, I, I think you one of the things you like about the genre is the like gross out you like. Oh my god, I can't believe I'm watching this you know, factor of it, because again, it's getting, it's all what the horror genre is all about making you uncomfortable and, and, and making you like on the edge of your seat or like, Oh, I got, I kind of want to get up. Or, it, it, that's what it's supposed to do. Um, there's a movie, um, here comes the devil, um, which is, I, I don't remember if it's Spanish or, or from Mexico, but, um, it's about like this, they, these kids go to this cave and, um, well, I guess it's his parents first or their parents first go to this cave no, I can't remember. But they go to this cave. There's like there's something horrible in there. And then when they come out, they're like not themselves and they want to fuck all the time. And it's like it's a huge plot device in that movie of like of like using sex to really, really make you uncomfortable. And I, I don't know. I just think that's a it's a it's a clever, not so much clever, but it's a it's a it's a thing we can all relate to in being like, ooh, ooh I don't know. That makes me uncomfortable. You know, that's that's why oh, is, is that one. Uh, is it? The brother, it's like a post-apocalyptic future. No, it's jeez. Oh, Let me see if I can look it up real. Because there's that one that uh, Danny hated. It's I think it's a We Are the Devil or something. It's a it's a brother and sister. They they're like in this post-apocalyptic world. They find like this hermit who's building a cave, basically, like you've said, and 
he's building like a cave in his bedroom kind of and they go into the cave and then they have some very graphic sex scenes in it but uh-huh. the idea of it, like the idea is to make you very uncomfortable because yeah. it's yeah it's it's incest but then they're also like the only two it's kind of hinted that, that they're only two left on earth and then the cave kind of it kind of looks like a, a uter like like it's giving birth almost to these two so it's uh it's trying it's, it's actually a pretty bad movie but you can see what they're trying to do with it right so, the, um, i don't think that's the same movie i'm talking about because the one I, it's actually like a good flick um let's see it's uh okay then it's a different movie yeah 2012 here comes the devil adrian bogliano or something like that is the director um and I'll read the synopsis real quick. A married couple lose their children while on a family trip near some caves in Tijuana. The kids eventually reappear without explanation, but it becomes clear that they are not who they used to be, that something terrifying has changed them. And, yeah, they, the, the, the kids, yeah, it's, there's a whole sexual thing that starts happening, and it starts going down with the parents, too. There's, like, uh, lots of, uh, like, uh, it's kind of like the way Cronenberg does sex. It's like, like, heated and passionate but like in an inappropriate time like what do you do why are you doing it now like <laughs> like that kind of stuff so yeah i mean it, it's a, i would actually highly recommend here comes the devil that's a it's a good one i'll have to check that one now that's yeah. and, you know you, you bring up a really good point and uh, yeah cronenberg doesn't and, uh, and uh i i think horror one of the things they forget what because yeah horror and eroticism they go together very well um I think it's weird. It goes together well, but the slashers that you mentioned in the beginning that you said that you don't count, they obviously shoehorn in any sort of sexual reference that they possibly can. Oh, yeah. So you're you're right. Like, is um, salacious and, and, and superfluous as sex and can seem in eroticism. I think it's a very important part of it. Um, I don't think one thing ever makes a movie better. I don't think just because there's, you know, a um a pair of boobs or a penis in it it go, automatically goes from bad movie to great movie right but when done right like in blue velvet there's a scene where isabella rosalina is walking around like completely naked she comes out of a house and she's totally confused and it's really frightening yeah. um and yeah that that scene really does add to the movie so uh i'm gonna put you on the spot here mm. there's a whole lot to choose from what is your favorite erotic horror movie Ooh, my favorite erotic horror movie. Oh, man, you know, when I was looking at lists, I saw a bunch of stuff that I was like, man, I really wouldn't consider that erotic horror. But um, Oh, what's an example that you wouldn't consider that, that's well, on like, the list? Just like Bram Stoker's Dracula. Like, there, I understand that's like Victorian horror. Like, you know, like, I, I get that. There's, you know, Winona Ryder's boobs in it, all that kind of stuff. Uh, the Brides, all that stuff. I don't know, but I just don't consider that. I don't know. I just didn't consider that movie really... Like an erotic horror movie. Um, geez, that's that's tough. I would have. I mean, I would. Man, I would probably have to say Possession. Maybe um, is right. Is right. Is right up there. Um, Piercing is another movie. I would say I've brought it up numerous times. Um, yeah. Which is super. You know. Um, yeah. Super inappropriately horny in a way that I liked. <laughs> it's the best well, it's funny that it. you. It's funny that you mentioned that movie because. Um, I still have to get around to seeing it because I really wanted to see it when it when it was when it came out. But um, when I was last week, we had talked about you know porn stars being dead. At, uh, I shouldn't say that because they do die at young ages. Um, the, the idea of a porn star doesn't exist anymore. 
But um, I was going to ask, is there still erotic horror? And then I thought that, you know, that movie just came out and you said it was one of the better ones that you had seen last year. And uh, yeah. so erotic horror, you're, that'll never die oh, or that'll, that'll be around forever. No. Um, yeah. And I would even say like uh, Eli Roth, uh, you've seen Knock Knock, right? I would say that's heavily leaning into the erotic horror genre. You know, have you seen that with Keanu Reeves? Um, but yeah, it's it's the two girls show up in Keanu Reeves' door. They proceed to seduce him and then they try to blackmail him. It's like oh uh, yes, 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 yeah. I mean, it's, it's the blackmail part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it leans heavily into the genre. So yeah, it's it's super uh, prevalent. I would say. Well, it kind of goes back to what we're, when we were talking about why people, um, even though they're not ready to admit they like erotica, they do. It's just we're just at our core. We're we're all horny people. Yeah. Um, Soledad uh, Miranda, I believe is how she died at a very young age. Um, she was in uh, Vampiros Lesbos, I believe. Okay. But uh, she was in a lot of uh, – what's his name? Jesse Franco? Just Franco? He was an oh, Italian yeah. director. Yeah, who's, he, he basically Famous. directed porn. Yeah, they were like yeah, but, porn. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was porn. But uh, she was very beautiful. Um, but if I had to pick my favorite erotic movie, it's uh, – Life Force, Toby Hooper. Ah, Easy. I was hoping it was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Toby Hooper, right? I mean, yeah. the Toby Hooper movie? And it's, so it's, that's, again, that's, a, she's an alien, correct? Yeah, she is an alien, which is why I walk said. Around the city. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Stunning. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, and I think, because uh, I saw that when I was very, because I don't know, it came out in 84, 85 or something, and yeah. um, I saw it shortly after it was released on videotape, because, uh, I don't know how I came across it. I'm sure I know I tape traded for it, and because it was one it's of those things. No in the parent... garage right now. <laughs> yeah, that's one of those that I have somewhere. Um, but uh, yeah, that's uh, I mean, it's one of his lesser. Well, I guess when you make Texas, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like everything you do is going to be lesser known. But um, it's good. It's really, really good. Like he, uh, I, I think the thing with that movie is he put a lot of money into it, and uh, they expected a lot out of it, and. Um, it just was kind of i won't go so far as to say it's misunderstood it was it's not like a genius film or anything it's a good movie but it does very heavily lean into the it's blatantly sexual oh yeah the first time i saw it i, I was like i couldn't believe what i was watching man like i was like what is this movie like is like is she ever going to put on clothes like is this just is she just going to roll around compl- i couldn't it blew my mind the first time i saw it i was like oh that's like that's a porno pretty sure i just saw my first porno movie yeah it's uh that good (laughs) good. every saturday you can find this here uh the rest of the week you can go to adventures in uh, where you can catch up with all our reviews Uh, you can also check out the other podcasts we have talking tauntauns we have portes wrestling and we have the general uh general comics podcast there's an article right now out uh yeah i'm pandering it's horror fans are the best so go check it out they are they are horror fans come talk to us uh, you can follow Adventures in Movies on Twitter over at AIPT Movies. You can follow us individually. Come get steamy with us. You can get steamy with Nathaniel, or I call him Pat, over on Instagram at Nathan Poor Taste. You get steamy, even though you won't like it at all, over with Danny. Uh, next time you talk to him, <laughs> he's on Twitter and Instagram at default underscore player. And talk dirty to me. My name is Blake. You can find me on Twitter at 4 Horror. And again, we're going to keep. Stank month of rolling next week. Kind of an erotic potpourri. Who knows what kind of mixed media we're going to get into. So please tune in for that. And you can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts, 
You can find us on Spotify. You can uh, you can look on Stitcher. We might be a little too steamy, but you can definitely check it out. Um, if you can't find find us there, you can definitely go to the website where you can find the podcast. Just uh, make sure to give us a rating or at the very least tell a friend to listen. And that's our cue. We'll talk to you next week. Adios. Stink sandwich. <laughs>